You're listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Friday the 4th of March. You're listening to Recap, brought to you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. And here's the financial disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there everybody, Uh, because it's Casual Friday, I'm just very casually reminding you about the Recap Audience Survey. Uh, You can go in the draw to win a $50 Sharesies gift just for answering some questions. Sounds easy. Links in the episode description. And also because it's Casual Friday, our guest today is Richard Kilpin. He's the head of the Financial Services Council, and he'll be talking about what they've been telling investors about this current period of volatility in the markets. And that's at the end of the show. Well, there's sure has been a lot going on this week, Alice, and it has been a bit of a roller coaster for share markets. What's been happening today? Well, let's start off by looking at the Ukraine crisis because that invasion is front of mind for investors who are trying to assess how this could have economic implications for other parts of the world. But to start um, us off with a bit of an update on what's been happening, Ukraine is still under control of its capital, Kiev, although according to CNBC, there's reports of shelling uh, that have increased in other cities. Uh, In fact, this afternoon, there's also reports that one of Ukraine's nuclear power plants, which is actually the largest uh, in Europe, has come under attack and now appears to be on fire. And according to the United Nations, more than one million Ukrainians have fled the country. Uh, Meanwhile, the economic and political sanctions have effectively cut Russia's economy and financial system off from uh, that of the the world. And there's an increasing number of companies uh, who are severing ties with Russia. And oil and energy prices come into this too. What's been happening there? Yeah, if we've uh, previously discussed on Recap, Russia is a key supplier of oil and gas to the rest of the world. Uh, According to CNN, it was the second top oil producer in 2021, up there with the US and Saudi Arabia. There's concerns that the conflict could cause disruptions to the supply of oil. And with the economics of supply and demand, if supply decreases, you expect prices to rise. Yesterday, oil prices spiked to hit their highest level in nearly 14 years. And since just before Russia invaded Ukraine last week, prices of oil are up 20%. European gas prices also hit record highs this week. Uh, So overall, these rising energy prices are adding to that volatility in markets. And then yesterday we were discussing interest rates, right? Yes, on Thursday we talked about how share markets, particularly in the US, got a boost after the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell indicated that the Fed will look to raise interest rates later this month to tackle inflation. And uh, Powell also signalled the size of this move. Now this helped reassure investors and add a bit of certainty uh, into what's been a bit of a bumpy time in the share markets. Okay, so what's been happening in the markets today? 
The S&P 500 in the US slid 0.5% on Thursday, so partly offsetting some of its 2% gain from the previous day. Meanwhile, uh, today at the time of recording, the NZX 50 is sitting down 0.7% after gaining 1% yesterday, and the ASX 200 is sitting down almost 0.9% after gaining, gaining half a percent yesterday. Thanks very much for that, Alice. Uh, Let's have a quick look at another story from today. Costco released their second quarter results, beating expectations uh, for both revenue and income. Costco is a big American retailer, right? Yeah, yeah. Costco Wholesale Corporation, as it's called, is pretty much the definition of big box retail. It's very famous in the States for their stores just being these absolutely massive warehouses of wholesale goods. They are the fifth biggest retailer in the world. They own just over 800 warehouses globally, and the company has a market cap of $263 billion. Okay, and it sounds like they might be the beneficiary of more and more COVID-related restrictions being loosened, just like we're seeing with similar companies. Yes, I I think you're right there. Sales jumped 11.1% from the same quarter last year. And from what I've read uh, from coverage uh, from the likes of Reuters and CNBC, even though restaurants have opened back up, uh, people are still choosing to stay at home and cook, which hasn't been great, obviously, for food services, uh, but it's been a boost for outfits like Costco, which sells a lot of food items. Uh, there's also been a, a lot of demand for high-margin items like jewellery and home furniture. And revenue and income was up too? Yeah, revenue was up 16% from the same quarter last year to $51.9 billion American dollars. Most analysts were expecting um, somewhere around $51.5 billion. Net income landed at $1.3 billion, up from $951 million from the previous year. But uh, Costco says despite all the work done to mitigate disruptions uh, caused by the pandemic, they're still experiencing higher labour costs and freight disruptions. And anything else to note from the results? No, that's about it. But I did come across a fairly horrific story of a family who was suing Costco because they bought a frozen halibut from a Costco store in San Dimas, which contained contained live worms. It's alleged the 13-year-old daughter ate one of the fish before noticing the worms. And according to the suit, the plaintiffs understandably experienced severe emotional distress and fear and the minor children have vowed never to eat seafood again, and I don't blame them. There's no way of getting around it. It's been a bit of a bumpy ride for the market recently. Yeah, obviously the Russian invasion of Ukraine, rising inflation, and all the associated challenges of the pandemic are making for some nervous investors out there. So we thought we'd have a chat with Richard Kilpin, the head of the Financial Services Council. It's a not-for-profit organisation whose members include insurers and fund providers and just about anyone who offers a financial service. And first up, I talked to Richard about what he was seeing when it came to people's overall confidence in the economy and their financial situation. So maybe the first place to start, Richard, is with uh, the Resilience Index, which I think just came out this morning. Yeah. Um, do you want to go through some of the findings with that? What does that tell you and how does that compare to other indexes that you've done? Yeah, so we, look, we've been tracking this data since we've been in lockdown. And what's been really interesting over the last couple of years is how resilient New Zealand has been. Um, people have held their jobs, the government's come in with support, and that's been reflected in very solid data in terms of how we feel about ourselves, our futures, and so on. 
But of course, we're now entering the third year of the pandemic and the data this time around is starting to show some pretty serious headwinds. And that's reflected in the 43% uh, of New Zealanders not confident in the New Zealand economy. 79% uh, are concerned about inflation. 65% are worried about interest rates. Uh, and 68% of New Zealanders are worried about house prices. So you put all that package together and uh, 2022 and three are going to be tough years as it costs us more to fill up our car or fill up our grocery basket, uh, buy property, pay bills and so on. And that's kind of playing into some of the anxiety that we're starting to see around the marketplace. Right. Just out of interest, was that was the survey that survey done before kind of Russia and Ukraine kicked off or? So interestingly, that's right. This data is um, the back end of January, 2000 New Zealanders. So it's before the Omicron wave and it's certainly before the Russia-Ukraine piece. So, um, you know, you would expect to see much more pronounced um, sentiments coming through off the back of what's actually happening now in the start of March. Right, right. I mean, coming to Russia and Ukraine, uh, you've been doing, I see that the, the Financial uh, Services Council and yourself have uh, have been talking a lot about this um, just over the past week, in particular in relation to the Kiwi people's Kiwi saver balances. Yeah. Can you tell why that, why that the Russian invasion of Ukraine would um, impact Kiwi saver? So look, anytime you have big shocks in the marketplace, unexpected events, um, the whole game changes. Um, so, for example, uh, supply lines get contracted. There's horrific photos and pictures coming out of uh, out of Ukraine. Uh, that impacts people's um, sentiment about how they feel about the future. So there's, there's a lot of very real impacts that play through to economies, supply lines, and so on. And then there's a whole range of sentiment. And, of course, markets are emotional. Uh, you know, because humans are emotional. So, you know, we make decisions not always on logic and reason, um, most many times on emotion and uh, faced with the threat of not only a local conflict between Russia and Ukraine, but things that may play on from that, that gets factored into markets. And so what you've seen is markets have fallen off, um, people have sold, people look for security and safe places, uh, but that's often the first knee-jerk impact, Jose. So, yeah, there's still a bit to play out here. Right. And so what's been your advice to people uh, in this kind of time of anxiety, if you like? Yeah, look, if you're a new investor, I mean, the uh, the obvious thing is is you take fight or, you know, you either fight or you flight. And, and so what often happens with investor behaviour early on in their investing careers when a big shock happens and they see their prices go down, they sell out, flee for the hills and go, I don't want to lose money. I don't want to lose any more money. Um, for seasoned investors, and really the sensible advice is to kind of hold your line. Because if you invested for the right reasons, which is you want to create wealth, you want to do it over a long period of time, a long period of time is a, you know, a five to seven year time horizon. So if you're making decisions on a week by week or a day by day, minute by minute, um, you know, you're going to cause yourself uh, and your portfolio harm. And so our guidance is, look, hold the line. This is really shocking stuff, but hold the line. If you invested for the right reasons, markets will bounce back. And we've already seen that happen uh, over the last few weeks. It doesn't mean it's not going to be volatile. So we'll continue to go up and down. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think any knee-jerk reactions end up causing you harm to your wealth, harm to your health, you know, and may scar you long-term as an investor 
Whereas you want this to be a positive experience, even though it's the first um, really tough environment in the last probably year and a half since uh, since the, the pandemic started. Right. In terms of um, KiwiSaver, I think I've heard you uh, I've heard you say you know if if you start if you were to change your KiwiSaver plan um, because of the news coming in the Ukraine and the, the volatility um, out there, you risk locking in one's losses. But what does that mean? Yeah, so to- totally right. So if I'm a 30 year old and KiwiSaver is going to, you know, I can't get access to it until 65, that my time horizon is 35 years. Well, between now and then, a lot of stuff's going to happen. Um, and so if you, if you, if every time something good or bad goes wrong or, or well, and you shift your portfolio, you'll end up costing yourself a lot of money. And so that's why, yeah, um, for, if you're a KiwiSaver investor, long term, long term horizon, um, stay with stay true to what you're doing in fact what a lot of people do is they buy the dips so you know when prices go down they will often go well there's an opportunity and i'll actually add more to my investment portfolio because i'm buying at yesterday's price or last year's price or whatever so there's there's certainly risk but there's also opportunities is the financial services uh, sector seeing a lot more activity at the moment are, are you know financial advisors being called on to to guide investors a lot more than they, they yeah, were, look, would be initially. Yeah, so so the the getting good guidance and advice is you know a key message. Now, whether you get it online from you know your Shares portal, whether you get it um, from your financial advisor, wherever you get it from, when when tough times turn up, getting counsel is always recommended. Um, so you know that's a that, that that's a key part of the success measures when you're thinking about how to create and build and grow and retain wealth. Mm. I, I think I've also seen you um, talking about, you know, a good sort of immediate thing to do is just to take a pause. As you say, talk to an advisor and also do research. What kind of research are you talking about there? Where, do you, where would you start? You know, just look, read read widely. Um, you know, the it's hard to get beyond the headlines of the horror of what's happening in Ukraine, but you know there are plenty of investment newsletters out there, business pages of various uh, mastheads, uh, international websites that provide you good information. The government through the FMA and Sorted provides good information. So there's plenty of great resources. The FSC website's got a heap of really good information. So that that pause, reflect, and just make sure you're on track. Adjust your sales if you need to find the opportunities if you need to is generally the, the the council. Big thanks to Richard Kilpin from the Financial Services Council there. Uh, I thought he had some interesting points about research at the end there. For me, I think it's always been a little too easy to kind of get tunnel vision and to kind of hone in on graphs of share prices. I mean, they're great fun to, you know, try and decipher. But I found, uh, particularly since starting doing recap, having to read lots and lots of news reports has really given me a bigger picture and I think made me uh, a better investor. Mm, and you can find more information about the companies that you're invested in on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, you know, company announcements, uh, share price charts and other resources. So uh, you can go check that out. Yeah, it's a really good place to start. Thanks, Alice. And that was Recap for the 4th of March. Thanks so much for listening. It would be a real help if you gave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz. 
You can also leave a voice message. There's a link in the episode description. And we'll see you next week. We sure will. Hey, Te Rahina, have a great weekend. <laughs>